Welcome back to the Godly Young Men Podcast. This is episode 46. I'm Will Harab, joined by Joe Wilkie. I say joined by, you're always here. So uh, you did miss two, uh, one episode, right? I did. Because right. I had to re-step in for me. But um, happy Thanksgiving. We uh, took last Indeed. week off for Thanksgiving, in case you didn't know. It's been a couple weeks since we put out an episode. But um, so we, happy belated Thanksgiving. Happy belated guess, Thanksgiving. Yeah. We both had very good Thanksgiving weekends, good. some good food. Hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they're like, Honestly, probably the most boring media content is when people start talking about which Thanksgiving foods they prefer. And it's like, I kind of agree with that, actually. That's yeah, even, everybody does that. Everybody, everybody does it. It's so yep. cliche and just kind of pointless. So we're not going to do that, even though I'm sure we both have takes on that. Yes, we do. But um, no, we're going to go ahead and get started with today's episode. And I've got my iPad in front of me. It's not for my notes. Me and Joe are gridlocked right now in a fantasy football right. matchup. So I am, I am trying to... He's going to blow my doors off by the uh, end of the day, I don't I'm think sure. so. I think it's we'll going to be a little closer than he thinks. But uh, anyway, keeping the updates there. So, Joe, get us into what we're talking about today. I think it's an important episode. I think it's something that a lot of young people can struggle with, and a lot of young people not only can struggle with it, they don't know how to overcome it. Right, and I think we're seeing more of it today. And that's the idea of social anxiety. I feel like there was a time growing up, all of us as kids play like street hockey on the block, or we play football or whatever it is. You were around other people a lot you would go and talk to the neighbors, right? And the sure. parents would come out and you talk to them and, hey, Mrs. So-and-so or whatever it is. Like, you just, It's just natural. It's just natural. Yep. And so I feel like social anxiety has just skyrocketed in these last few years. Really Gen Z and Generation Alpha, I, I would say. Hey, my generation, yeah, yep. I'll admit. Uh, yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of millennials that do as well. <laughs> I don't know. They like regressed or something. But it's that, really bad with Gen Z though. Yes, yeah. it is. Like social anxiety is a problem. And, and, you know, you may wonder, you hear the term, what's social anxiety? Like, it's thrown around in the culture 24-7, social anxiety, social anxiety. I'm going to therapy because I have social anxiety. Okay, what does that actually mean? How do you know if you have social anxiety? A couple things to look for. One is eye contact. Yeah. Can you make eye contact with somebody when you're looking down and, you know, you're kind of looking to the side. And yeah, you're kind of bouncing or, the eyes around. Yeah, bouncing the you know. eyes or exactly. Like you're clearly not comfortable. There's some anxiety coming out. Uh, obviously, anxiety is this internal feeling that you get in social situations, but the eye contact, you rarely start up a conversation. You're not looking to engage. And and even when they engage you in the conversation, you're still not that engaged. You're or looking you're for any out. That's exactly what I was going to say. Constantly looking for an exit to the conversation. That's yeah. exactly it. Another one might be that you can't really talk on many subjects. You know, I'm not as anxious on, here, I'm going to take a hit at anime again. But, you know, <laughs> if you know, an, like a lot of kids, man, if you're talking about anime, they are animated. Like they, they are yeah. great. They, they know exactly what they're talking about. If you ask world politics or, or events or anything else like that, it's like, uh, they don't know. So the social anxiety is, is it skyrockets when you're in these social situations. And those are some things like, are you comfortable when you step one into of the a thing, room? One of the things I see a lot is just an overall avoidance of conversation. I know you kind of covered that, but like walk into, a, walk into a church building, Sunday morning assembly, and what are the young people doing? They're not talking to anybody that's outside their own age bracket. Exactly they might it. not be talking to anybody yeah, at all. Yeah, very true. They're on their phones. It's just it's it's so much easier for their brains. They don't have to work as hard mentally to just be on their phones. So yeah. that's what they migrate to. Parents let them. And of course, that's a whole other problem. But just overall avoidance of conversation. Like they yeah. don't like to talk. They don't like to talk to people. They don't like to do what we're doing right now. They don't like to do what people should be doing across dinner tables and having conversation, right. talking. That's social anxiety, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Me and Jack were just speaking at a congregation not that long ago. And what'd you see? From all the young men in the back, everyone <laughs> oh was on their phone or on an iPad or whatever. During it is. worship service. During yeah. worship service. And then you come up to speak to them after and, and like, again, the eye contact is completely gone. You can tell they do not want any part of any conversation. Uh, and, and so I guess the question I'd throw your way, 
Why is that? What has caused this pandemic, I would say, of young kids specifically struggling with social anxiety? I've got a couple of things, but one other thing that I would say real quick on how you can see this is, you know, when you meet a young person, I'm going to say as as young as 10 or 11, that's very articulate, that can speak well, that, you know, maybe ask questions. It's just just a really good conversationalist. They're the outlier. They're they're the exception. You're like, whoa, this 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 10-year-old can actually carry on a conversation with me? That's a problem, but that's right. where we're at, and I think that's evidence to what you're talking about is the, the, the young men, the again, take it up to a 14-year-old. The young 14-year-old that can have a good, normal, decent conversation with you is the outlier. Wasn't John Quincy Adams, what, 12 when he was a delegate? Or, yeah, or not yeah, a delegate, he, when he was a, um ambassador? Yeah, he was very young. He was like yeah. 12 or 14 years old going to France and arguing on behalf of America's interests. Like 12 years old. If our fate was in the hands of 12-year-olds today. <laughs> could you imagine? Yeah. We'd be, we'd be in some I trouble. mean, if it was like down to a Fortnite competition, maybe. Yeah, like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We'd be okay, but. No, you ask what causes it. Obviously, we could talk forever about smartphones. Um, I think that's that's a big thing. Um, social media. That, again, they you revert back to what's easiest naturally on your brain. And yep. young people, for them, their phone is their world. It's easy to, to scroll and it's just easier on their brain. It's more fun. Dopamine hit, all that. So they do that more. The face yep. to face. The other thing I would say is they're not expected to have face-to-face conversations. Yeah. A lot of this falls on the parents. That's very true. But like, man, put your kids in situations. This is more to the parents. But if, if you're if you're you know 16 year old 16 year old young person, look for opportunities to have normal conversations. But as far as why they don't, I think it is because they're not expected to. Yeah. You know, how many times have you been out to dinner maybe, and the kids are kind of relegated to the corner, or they're they're not really included in the conversation. Yeah. Just oh, you know, we'll let them be on their phones or whatever. They're not expected to talk. They're not expected to contribute ideas. They're not expected to, again, do what we're doing here right now. And so if they're not expected to, what are they going to do? They're going to do whatever's asked of them or expected of them, which is typically not a lot. It's interesting that it used to be the children are to be seen but not heard, right? So they'd sit at the table. They still weren't interacting that much, but the difference was they were learning how to interact by yeah. watching their parents. They weren't able; they weren't just sitting on their smartphones, you know, or, or playing at the other end of the listening, table. They, they were, were observing exactly yeah. observing how discourse took place, watching their their dad argue with somebody else, right, a neighbor, whatever it is. Like they learned how it was done, and now kids aren't paying attention at the at the table because they're too much on their smartphones or whatever it may be. So I think that's a big one. And I would say also, and, and you kind of touched on this point, a lack of interaction with the parents. Yeah. So the parents are sitting around like, what happened to family dinner tables? The family is is watching TV at this point. They're the parents are, Yeah, the yeah. parents are sitting here and maybe they're having dinner together, but the kids are somewhere else. And why is there not sitting around the family dinner table? Like, again, learning discourse, talking back and forth. How was your day? And some people do that, but it's so limited. And so if you did this, and with my family, we would be there for, there were nights if we didn't have much to do, hour plus, just talking about life, talking about biblical concepts, talking about politics, talking about whatever else. We didn't even all agree, and that's okay. But we did learn to talk a lot in our family because it mattered what we had to say. And so maybe your parents, we're going to record an episode soon on what to do if your relationship with your parents is kind of negative. Maybe your parents don't value your opinion all that much. It's still really important for you to share that with others in your life because, the lack of interaction, I think, is killing us. The last thing I would say as far as causes before we get into kind of what the Bible says and I guess really solutions here is I think COVID played a big part as well. Yeah. Because obviously we have our gripes with the public school system. We're going to have an episode on that as well coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but at least even when they were at school, there were social interactions face right. to face, you know, somewhat. Man, when COVID hit and everybody had to revert to everything's over Zoom, you yep. can't go outside of your house, you can't, you know, it's everything became over a screen even more than it already was. 
man, kids. You well, lost a year of interaction. You did. Like an you entire did. year. A year of practice, essentially. Yeah. And when you're at that age, how essential is that at that age, at, right. at, at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, to lose out on an entire year of interaction with others? I mean, developmentally, that is horrible. So I would agree with you. I think COVID really set people back. And so what we're seeing is social anxiety, once again, skyrocketing because of all of these things. I do think smartphones make it way worse, as you said. And I do think COVID set us back. And there's probably, and, and you may know even more reasons why, so make sure to comment or, or let us know if you see another reason why this is the issue, but it truly is an issue. So, usually we turn to scripture, right? Yep. This is where we would, what does the Bible have to say on it? Here's the issue. The Bible doesn't actually have that much to Thou say. Thou shalt not have social anxiety. It's not found anywhere <laughs> exactly. in the Bible. Or you could say, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. Okay, that's, that's great. That's not even talking about social. That's really, not talking yeah. about social anxiety. That's talking about really worrying about what's going to happen next. Like, this is a different subset of anxiety, I feel like, which makes this difficult what? because the Bible isn't specifically speaking of it. And let me just say, too... I mean, we're having an episode on this, which which means we are acknowledging this. This is a big deal. I think there's sometimes this 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 type of discussion can get brushed to the side of like, man, let's ro- let's worry about something real for a second. Yeah. You know, let's worry about some bigger problems. And granted, yes, like there are bigger problems in the world. However, for young men, social anxiety, not being able to talk to adults, not being able to communicate, talk as we've had episodes on before, you're going to you're going to be inhibited in your duty and your role as a godly man if you can't do these things. If yeah. you have social anxiety, how are you going to be an elder with social anxiety? Yeah. How are you going to be able to serve others with a, with a you know social anxiety? And so, hopefully, everybody who's watching this, if you are somebody who might you think, man, I'm struggling with that, hopefully, you want to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I would say. Like we, we we do treat this as a big deal. Yeah, it is. And obviously, as a therapist, I do see this, and I do see this as a rising concern. It is a concern. It is an issue. It is something that we want to take care of for exactly the reasons you just said. A big one of those being. We talk about how to talk to girls, right? Yep. Who you choose in life and the mate and how they're attracted to you, you'll have a certain subset, so to speak, of people and, and kind of the... This sounds horrible to say. I don't know if <laughs> I, I think I, want, I know what you're trying to yes, say. Yes. I don't want to call it like a class. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? There it's are like, certain people yeah, that you're, you're never uh, going you know, to get. The number rating, one to ten, if you're a six and you can talk to, or you, you will end up with somebody within i think it's one spot so you'll either end up with a five six or seven and that's talking about looks but i think it's the same thing yes exactly if you're socially anxious do you think the ultra you know has it all together girl if you can't barely speak with her and speak to her and and you're really nervous around anybody else what are the shot or what are the chances or, or you know what's your shot of getting that girl not a ton. So it's not all about the girl. It's not all about being an elder. Obviously, those things may be far off for you or close. It's just about having a successful life. It's about having a successful life. That's exactly it. And so though the Bible doesn't actually have that much to say on it, I do think it unlocks it. Because let me let me ask you this. What do you think is the biggest reason? And yes, we talk about the causes of social anxiety. Sure. But the real, the, the root of the problem of social anxiety. It's people. It's, you know, young men worried about what other people are thinking Bingo. of them. Yeah, Bingo, it's, right. it's, you know, entering a conversation, man, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Oh my goodness. I don't want to sound dumb. Oh my goodness. I don't know about this and that. So let me just, oh, I'm getting, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, they care so much about what other people think of them that it completely, you know, they shy away from the conversation completely because oh, yeah. it's like, they don't even consider that the person might think positively of them. It's all negative, you know? Right. And so that would be what I would say. Which the Bible unlocks because what does the Bible tell us? We ought to find our worth in Christ, not in what others think. Correct. Yeah. Now you and I were talking before, like, what verses would we go to to show we're supposed to have our worth in Christ? Ephesians 1, right? I think you would mention Ephesians. Like, that has a couple in there. About, I mean, we're talking about being children of God. Yeah. Like, you know, the fact that we're dead in our sins and saved. Like, that that by itself ought to give us worth. Romans 5, you know, while you yeah, that's sinners exactly it, yeah. and things like that. 
Sometimes I think that's a little hard for young people to tangibly grasp. Is what it I is. Say. It is. And I don't think there's any verse, correct me if I'm wrong, if you do know it, let me know. But I don't think there's any any verse specifically that says, find your worth in Christ. But the concept is there. Yeah. And one of the biggest places that I see this is in the Psalms. Because you see David where he's got a lot of negative interactions. He's got people who hate him. He's got people, you know, who are out trying to kill him. Saul's trying to kill him. He's on the run. All these things. Where does he continually go back to? Yeah. God. And so it's not like, oh, wow, they hate me. What do I need to do to make them like me? No, he went back to praising God. Exactly. He says, God, you've got me. Another one I thought of was Paul after his conversion. You think he didn't have some social anxiety Uh, going to talk to the people that he was trying to kill? Hey, guys. I was Hey, what's up? Yeah, Yeah, no, I think there'd be some social anxiety there. You know, and what if he had gotten all zeroed into, oh, my goodness, what do they think of me? Like, he knew they don't think great of me right now. Let's change that, you know? And so, yeah. What a Jesus. I mean, they hated him. Like, the Son of God was hated. And if he was really worried about what everybody else thought, he would have never gone to the cross. So you see all of these things of, I think biblically speaking, we can look at examples. You have to find your worth in Christ and recognize he's the one that holds you in his hand. He's the one that's got you. He's the one that what he thinks of you matters. Whereas, I mean, you may have some 17 year old at, at school that's like punking you or whatever right. is, is bullying you. Nobody's going to remember that kid's name in a year. Like nobody's going to know who that is. And there are people that still... Man, you know, 30 years ago when I was in high school, this guy was a bully and it was a such and such name. Like, okay, you've thought about that a lot. Yeah. Stop thinking about what other people think. That That's, and I guess we're kind of getting into the tips there. But the, I think the Bible really does kind of unlock that for us. So just make sure, I guess the biggest thing we'd say is make sure you find your worth and your value in Christ and what he thinks of you. Because that in and of itself, sorry to cut you no, off, is it. going to instill confidence that maybe you don't have yes exactly and we've had confidence episodes before but i think that's the point is in conversations the reason you're socially anxious because you don't have any confidence you you are so worried about what other people are thinking and the finding your worth in christ the understanding that you know at the end of the day you've got the ace of spades you're gonna you know you're a christian you're gonna win the hand your life is going to at the end of your life you're going to heaven like that's kind of a mindset you have to keep in perspective of like i've got the trump card i'm i'm I'm, I'm good if if i follow christ yeah it ought to give you the confidence is the point yeah yeah, because that can be a little bit difficult as you're, you know, even as you're saying it. Like, I realize it may feel like a large jump from, okay, I know I have my worth in Christ, but when I walk into a room, that doesn't, how does yeah. that tangibly, and I think you're exactly right, which is there ought to be the confidence boost. There ought to be peace about it. And when you're walking into a room, where does your thought go? Because right. if your thought does go to, what if I make a fool of myself? So what if you do? And you might. That's you the might. Other thing. That's exactly <laughs> it. So what if you do? You absolutely might. And then what? Right? My dad always used to ask me this question. And then what? Yeah. It's like, well, then it would be really bad. Well, okay, and then and what? what? Yeah. And then, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like people would people would hate me. And then what? You know, and it's like, oh, I guess that's not that bad, right? So yeah. just keep asking yourself till you get to the bottom of, and then what? What you're going to get to is, I'm held by Christ. I can't lose value and worth no matter what I do. If I go in and make an absolute fool of myself and everybody in the room is laughing at me, okay, okay, right? And then what? Well... I'm still loved by Christ. I still have value. And just because these people may be judging me, that may be something that that if you use it correctly, if you use your social anxiety and even a negative social interaction or social situation, man, you could really use that to your benefit because then you can take that and grow confidently from that and say, okay, here's what I would do differently next time or turn that into spinning around. You can make fun of yourself for a second, right? And and we've talked about this before. The self-deprecation. Be very careful. Yeah. Don't, don't be very careful that, on self-deprecation. Yeah. Don't lean into it. However... You can laugh along with everybody and go, yeah, I did look kind of dumb. Yeah. Okay. So what? Right? So what? So my parents used to say they can't take away your birthday anytime we'd have a bad day yeah, or something you go. go wrong. And, you know, the, the point behind that being like, hey, you still got stuff to look forward to. It's it's a bad day. It's not the end of the world. Right. You know, you, you're going to have fun on your birthday. You're going to enjoy, you know, this and that. 
similarly, like they can't take away heaven from you. Again, if yep. you're a faithful Christian and you know that already, no matter what you say, no matter how dumb you think you may sound, or again, I should have, I, I was thinking we should have like, I can't think off the top of my head of like, what's the worst thing I've ever said in public? Like the most humiliating thing. I don't know if you can think of it either. Yeah. Oh, you can't. Okay. If I can't share it, I can't, I'm sure there's something, but everybody's going to have that is the point. And so if, if you go through your entire life, like let me do everything I can to not say the wrong thing ever. Good luck. Cause yeah, I'm going to say exactly. you're going to be overthinking. And that gets us into some of the tips that we've got here. Yeah. Get us into um, those. I mean, I brought it up. So I'm going to skip to number two there. And that is stop overthinking it. Yeah. Is what I would say. Yep. Um, we've talked a lot about the concept of basing your entire decision-making process, your entire conversation around what are the people going to think about you. And that would be an element of overthinking it of like you enter in the conversation. Mm-hmm. All you can think about is what is this person going to think of me? If I say this here, how am I going to sound? And, and there really are people, me and you, I don't think struggle with this at all. Like we're pretty naturally extroverted. We don't have a problem with it, yeah. but talking to people who have this problem, that literally is they are psychoanalyzing every single aspect oh, yeah. of the conversation of like, what are they going to think if I say this? Oh, what if I use this tone of voice? And it's like all that's going on through their head. Just chill out. Yeah. Just stop overthinking. It's not the end of the world. That that's a- they treat it as a chess match, right? Yes. Like if I can look ahead, you're going to make this move and this move and this move. And if I make this and this and this, and I don't want to, I don't want to be putting checkmate over here. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> it. But if you make this move, it's well, I don't know what I would do in that moment. And so let's just disengage. No, it's <laughs> not. It's not chess. I don't know what board game it would be. It's the game of life. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like. Have some fun. I would that maybe that's a horrible one because you can get <laughs> game of life. You can get really, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry, going off path there. But I do think a lot of people look at this. To your point, that's exactly it. They overthink it. They treat it like it's chess. They want to make sure that they know every move going into it, and it paralyzes them. And yep. they have this concept of like paralysis by overanalysis, yep. right, or, or by analysis. The idea of you're so you're, you're analyzing it so you're hard. So much, yeah. yeah, exactly. You're so much in your own head. That you're just paralyzed. I don't know what to do. And then you look like a real idiot, right? Because you're just paralyzed and somebody asks you a question. You're like, "Uh, how's I supposed to respond? There is no how is I supposed to respond. Just respond and let them them see you. Think about in the terms of sports, you know, really good athletes playing basketball or whatever. You think they're sitting there every single second overanalyzing every single thing? No, they're just playing. Right. And it's coming kind of naturally to them because they've practiced. And then you can go ahead and get us on the next one if you want. But it kind of flows and it's natural. And again, yes, there's thinking going on, but it's... I don't know, like it's built in in a way versus having to actively think about every single thing. Get us into that second one because for athletes, the reason they can do that is because they have practiced a ton. That's right. Practice makes perfect. That's a saying as old as time, I feel like. I don't know, maybe somebody originated that like not that long ago, but practice makes perfect. It's so true because how do you get better at social interaction? You do it a lot. How did I get good at social interaction? I like to think that I am. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be arrogant about it, but I do like to think that I'm decent social interaction. I do it all the time. I'm a therapist. I talk to people. Like, I've had sessions where I'll I'll work with kids that literally give me, I would, I'd literally count less than 20 words the entire session. And I will, I will carry the conversation for a 50 minute to an hour long session basically by myself. Were you over there like writing tally marks like one word? Oh my (laughs) word. It was the worst. uh, Yeah. Luckily, I don't. I don't do that very much. That's agency work. And I'm, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's tough. And I'm going off topic a bunch today. But the idea is I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. You've done the same thing. You've talked to people a bazillion times over. It's the same thing. I don't think we're getting into on this one. Getting up and stand, standing in front of people. Public speaking is one of the worst fears for everybody. People fear it more than death. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. How do you get over it? You do it a lot. Yeah. And you get used to, to our point, stop overthinking it. 
People, like, stop caring about what people think. Because if you only knew how little people actually thought of you, my dad used to tell me this, another another great quote of his, people don't think about you near as much as you think they do. Yeah. Like, you practice it a lot of putting yourself in those situations. It's, it's, but on the overthinking it, stop thinking that everybody is looking at you waiting to laugh at you. Yeah. That's not the case because they're too busy worried about themselves. They think you're going to do the same exact thing. And so when, when you're in this situation, you really think that everybody's just out to get you they're not they're thinking not. about you. They're <laughs> yeah. thinking about themselves because that's what people do. It's kind of like, again, you enter into the conversation like, oh my goodness, if I say the wrong thing, they're going to think I'm the worst person in the world. That is the wor- absolute worst case scenario right. that almost never, you know, that never happens. Almost, yeah, almost and even never. if it did, so Big what? Deal. Then yeah. what? Yeah. But to the point of, you know, people don't think about you near as much as you think they do. If people spent more time just, you know, worried about asking the right questions and because another big element of this i think that people get scared of is thinking on your feet yeah because it's a question of like what what if they say this or ask me this and i have no you know i just blank i just freeze up and so they're not good at thinking on their feet for this practice makes perfect point before we move on that's something i would say also practice think on your feet a little bit that's right teaching bible class for me has been one of the biggest when i was at jackson temple the first time that helped me the most is because you know i used to be petrified to open it up for comments and questions because it's like i got my prepared statement i know what i'm going to say i know what Mm -hmm. i'm going to cover i'm good to go but as soon as a you know a a wrench gets thrown into it with something somebody else asks or a question i don't know i was petrified for the longest time and i finally realized like first of all i don't have to have all the answers but then second of all it it was fun kind of practicing like thinking on your feet and and getting an answer ready and i don't know it's just but it took practice is the point is that i had to work on it and yeah, I mean, that's something, you, it doesn't happen by osmosis. You do have to just practice it and put yourself in those positions. And here's another little tip. It's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it yeah. is okay to, you know, when you're thinking on your feet. I just don't have any idea. That's okay. But the other tip that I would say that actually does help with this, find yourself a socially, we were trying to come up with the term, socially adept person, yep. socially confident person, somebody who's really good at this, kind of the exact opposite of the socially anxious. Find somebody that you know that's really good at conversation, Hang around them for a little while. Ask them questions. How'd you get this way? What'd you do? Right? Yep. How do you have the confidence when you enter a room to know it's going to be okay? And there are two different types of social anxiety. Some people really struggle with the one-on-one, and then there's others where it's like one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, one-on-six, and you're going, man, I don't know how I'm going to really get into this conversation where there's six people standing around. I'm really nervous. Find somebody who navigates both. And maybe there's somebody who's good in the groups and somebody who's good individually. Get to know what they do and, and get to be around them and ask them questions as to... And how did you get this way? If we really want to get through social anxiety, you're going to have to humble yourself enough to say, I am very socially anxious and I need help with that. Yeah, it's about being comfortable in just about every setting. The other thing I would say, and this is more specifically, obviously, for the one-on-one scenario, but learn to ask questions and be curious. We brought that up probably a gazillion times at this point. But man, you want to be good at conversation. You want to, I don't know, have people enjoy talking to you, asking questions. They like talking about themselves. They like, you know, I like giving my opinion on things. You like giving your opinion on things. And we were talking before we started the cameras. It makes you a more well-rounded person because, you know, again, you've got young people, young men that can kind of only talk about three or four different things. And if you get outside of that comfort zone, it's like, yeah, I'm out. Man, you, you become more interesting of a person when somebody's telling you about, you know, what they do for a living. And it's like, oh, so how does this work about your field? Yeah. And, oh, okay, so you do that. So what's your schedule here? And, like, stuff just piques your interest. You start to gain more knowledge. It's just, man, asking questions is just a really good practice. I think this is why Joe Rogan's such a big deal. Yeah. Is... He's just incredible at interviewing He asks people. the right questions. He yeah. asks the right questions, and he seems to genuinely be curious. He's got people on from every field known to man. I mean, these people are archaeologists and and cave divers and everything else on his podcast. How does he have a three-hour conversation and a good three-hour conversation that draws millions of listeners every week? He's curious. 
That's really what it comes down to is he asks the right questions. He's curious. This is a game changer for me because if I'm in a social situation, one way to control that setting, again, we've said this a bazillion times you talked about, if you're asking the questions, you're controlling the conversation. Yeah. So when you step into a room and there's like five people, be confident in who you are. Nobody wants to, you know, you're kind of sidling up and, and you're... People can, I was going to say that a second ago, people can tell if they you are can uncomfortable tell. with yourself in the conversation. They can tell. Yeah. You show up with, comf- or with, with your confidence and whatnot, not being arrogant, but just okay with who you are. And then you start driving the conversation. You start asking questions. What do you think about this? Or, you know, okay, top five greatest bands of all time, go. You come up with questions and you get a lot better at asking people questions. People get very comfortable and then they start asking you and you go, okay, I was the one asking questions, make a little joke. I was the one asking questions, I didn't think about it, right? And then you're you're on the spot and you start thinking about these things. And your that's, job from that point on is to be honest. That's exactly it. Just be honest, but you've already, they already like you. Yeah. You've already endeared yourself to them well, because you started the question. One thing I would say on that note is, again, because... That's what I was thinking is somebody's going to say, oh, man, what if they start asking me questions? The only thing you need to be thinking about from that point on is what is my honest answer? Yeah. That's not what people usually think about. What people usually think about is what answer is going to make me look the best. Yes. What answer is going to sound, what answer's gonna sound the smartest? Point. What answer is going to paint me in the best light? Yep. Don't worry about that. That's when you're going to get into social anxiety if you're constantly having to think about, man, what do I need, what do I need to say? Just answer honestly. And that, that speaks to your I don't know point. Maybe you don't know. But if it's you know anything else, just answer honestly. That's all you have to do. And that, that's what they're looking for. And this opens up into a very good discussion, what you just said. You have to genuinely like yourself. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. You have to be genuinely like yourself. yourself. You have yeah. to be comfortable with yourself because the only way you can be honest is if you're comfortable in your honesty and in who you are. Sure. And if I project Joe as Joe, I'm not projecting Joe the cool guy or Joe the smart guy or Joe... It's Joe as Joe. What I know, I know. And what I don't, I don't. That's okay. And if I'm confident in that, if I'm, a com- if I'm comfortable and at peace with myself, I'll fit in anywhere. Yep. Because I'm not worried about what people think. And if they think that, wow, that guy knows nothing. He's an idiot. Wow. Okay. That, Move on. That yeah. <laughs> changed my life in what way? I mean, there are certain people that what they think of you probably matters. Your boss, he can fire you. That's not good. <laughs> That's right? true. Your, your family. Wife, yeah, your family. Your yeah. I mean, those things probably matter more than others. Even that, though, I deal with clients all the time. So what? Okay. Take it. Understand why do they think of you in this way? If there's something to learn from it, obviously open yourself up. You can't allow what other people think of you to be the basis or foundation of anything. I talk about the identity rings. If you're comfortable with God and you're comfortable with yourself, everything flows from that. But if you're trying to make everybody else comfortable, you're moving outside in. You're never going to get all the people to like you all the time. It's never going to happen. Embrace that. Be okay with it. Be comfortable and recognize as long as I like myself, I'll put it out there. And if I'm repulsive to people, I'll figure out pretty quick, okay, well, don't do that, right? Yep. But trial and error. <laughs> exactly. It's trial and error. Practice makes perfect. But that's being okay and comfortable with who I am, looking like an idiot or looking like the cool guy. I'm comfortable either way because there's something to learn on each side. That's a great, honestly, that's probably the way we need to wrap. You've got one more on here that we'll hit very quickly. And that is remember that people are mostly forgiving. Yeah. We've already said it. Like, man, you know, people, if they think you're the worst person in the world, number one, they're probably not going to do that. Right. But if they do, who cares? Big right. deal, you know? And so I think that point is good. People are mostly forgiving, especially, hopefully, and if we're talking about church settings here, yeah. if, if you're, you know, yeah. go, trying to get better at conversations and you're uh, at your congregation with older people, like, again, a lot of older people maybe can be cranky, snarky, whatever. For the most part, I would hope and pray that at your congregation, you're going to have forgiving people who are not going to be like, oh, look at this, look at this joker over here, this right. idiot. They're not going to do that. And so that's something that I think you need to keep in mind, a good, good thing to end with. But what you just said, which is being comfortable with who you are, 
tying back into the finding your worth in Christ really is kind of the key to this episode. It like is. if you're not comfortable with yourself, if you if you you know are not conscious of the fact that you have your worth in Christ, you are going to struggle with social anxiety almost certainly. And when you get those things lined up in perspective, it's going to be a whole lot smoother. So here's what I'll say. Maybe take 5, 10 things on a list, things that you like about yourself, things that you're genuinely confident in. That's going to sound really weird. Um it's going to sound like, you know, you want me to be arrogant. You want me to just list all the things I'm good at. No, I want you to find confidence. Absolutely. I want you to find what is it that, that I can really, that I feel like I can present to other people. Okay, work on presenting that. Work on, and then recognize, maybe on the other side, recognize things where you feel you fall short. Yeah. I'm really self-conscious in this area. I feel overweight. I feel like I'm not smart. I feel, and then you can pray about those things, but also get used to navigating and go, why is that a problem? If I'm overweight, what am I doing about it? If I don't, if I feel like I'm dumb, why do I think that? Is that a fair assessment? Am I really dumb? Most likely, no. Most likely you're hearing it from somebody else and you're allowing that inner critic, that inner voice to determine everything for you. So that's what I would say homework wise, if we're giving homework. <laughs> we'll check I'm, back next yeah, week. For exactly. The as yeah. though I'm the therapist here, you know, telling you what to do, but genuinely get used to being confident and then practice, practice, yeah. practice, practice. practice. Find yourself in other social settings. Maybe start with just one person, then move to, you know, two or three people, engage them, and then you'll, next thing you know, you'll be leading the room. I would, the only other thing I would say is go read the Psalms. Joe brought it up. Like, yeah. that's that's yeah. what David did is he focused on God. He focused on how great his creator was, right, how God's marvelous goodness, his creator yeah. was, his goodness. And so, yeah, if you're looking for a place to, to study and read, if you if this is something you do struggle with, I'd say go to the Psalms. So, um, good episode. Yeah. Joe put the outline together, did an awesome Appreciate job. And again... This is a struggle for guys. We get it, or for a lot of guys, I should say. So we get it, and it's something that there are solutions, as we talked about. There are tips. There are yep. things you can do. And so this is where we would start. Um, beyond that, I don't know if you have any other advice as far as like um, you know other places, other resources, other other places um, to go. But this would be a good starting point, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. So. I was trying to think of books off the sp- off the top of my head. I I wasn't thinking about it. But either way, reach out to us. Comment. Sure. You know, obviously like and subscribe, as they say. But comment. Let us know. And if you have questions, we'd be happy to answer the questions on, on XYZ, anything about the social anxiety, um, because we do genuinely believe in this. Like, this is not just to be a filler episode, as Will already said, and then we'll wrap up here. This is a problem. We acknowledge that it's a problem. We acknowledge you're not stupid for having this problem. You're not wrong. You're not bad. You're not sinful. Nothing like that. It's just something that we all want to overcome. Yeah. This is our on our way to being godly young men who can lead a church, lead a family, lead, you know, be self-ruled men. It starts with us being confident in ourselves and, and letting others see that confidence and that they're willing to follow. Wife is willing to follow, you know, a, a congregation is willing to follow us based on that. So Absolutely. we hope this has helped. We hope this has been uh, a good episode for you. And I think episode 47, we got a couple, couple coming uh, within the next couple of weeks that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. So with that, anything else? No, we're going right. to wrap up. We're going to wrap right there for episode 46. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. 